When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Looking to build wealth beyond the stock market? Gain access to alternative investment opportunities once reserved for the ultra-wealthy with Yield Street. Build a diversified portfolio with investments such as real estate, art, commercial finance, and other alternatives typically with low stock market correlation and targeting annual yields of up to 15%. Yield Street investment minimums start at $1,000. Head to YieldStreet.com to join over 275,000 members and create your account today. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Sunday afternoon. You, of course, will be listening to this on Monday morning. The winter meetings have come and gone, Brendan, and not really that much happened. The two big fish, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, are still on the market, and we've really gotten little in the way of direction there uh, unless you are inclined to believe unverified sources on Reddit or Twitter of you know people claiming to know someone who knows someone who knows someone. So... That is really where they are. I, Brendan, I think you know I, I'm, I'm a big fan of having the MLB Network on throughout the day uh, as I'm working or doing whatever. And it was pretty boring this week for those, uh, you know, four to five days that the winter meetings were in Las Vegas. Uh, it was basically just those guys making stuff up because not all that much was going on. But we do have some as the title of this podcast uh, loosely implies, normally for these episodes, uh, we do have some Cubs-related things to be talking about. Uh, we'll, we'll get to a particular anniversary that I think you guys were already expecting me to bring up uh, that came to us on Saturday. But the first thing that I think we should talk about, Brendan, is that the Cubs coaching staff is not finalized. Uh, Brandon Hyde, officially the new manager of the Baltimore Orioles, that uh, announced, I believe, during the winter meetings and then confirmed, I think, on Friday or Saturday, uh, with the Orioles actually announcing that after they tried to pretend that, you know, Joel Sherman or whoever reported it first was not right. uh, And, of course, he was. So... (laughs) Brandon Hyde is gone. Brandon Hyde, of course, uh, if you are not remembering, I believe came over to the Cubs uh, in the offseason of 2011. He worked as uh, player development coordinator, the the field coordinator for the Cubs system. Uh, Then, of course, was the first base coach under Joe Madden from 2015 to 2017. Uh, I posted a a good picture on the Real Cubs Insider handle on Twitter the other day. Uh, He's obviously very prominent when Dexter Fowler hits his leadoff home run in Game 7 of the World Series in 2016, when he uh, kind of does that little spin as he's rounding first base, Brandon Hyde, of course, uh, very much in that shot, uh, expressing his jubilance as well. So uh, Brandon Hyde has been very involved in this organization uh, for the last several years now, and it's just another position of turnover for the Cubs coaching staff, Brendan. So I'll, I'll, I'll toss it over to you, you here for the first time today, uh, just with some thoughts on, you know, now this will be uh, another consecutive offseason with three different 
changes. We're going to have uh, a new bench coach, a new hitting coach, and a new pitching coach uh, again. So yep. I, I guess just your general thoughts on that. And, you know, we, we've we heard some names loosely tossed around. I don't know that we've really uh, gotten any concrete information other than, you know, maybe checking in on some guys. But any anybody you'd like to see? And I suppose, you know, we might as well touch on uh, the Grandpa Ross situation, as I think that that is the first place that everybody's mind goes to when an opening like this comes available. Well, we saw all the all the links to David Ross once that news did come out. And I I would be surprised, shocked, really, if Ross does take that position, not because he's unqualified or doesn't necessarily want to. But I feel I don't know. I feel like just listening to Ross speak, seeing what he's done over the years, that he's kind of content where he's at currently in his life. And one of the reasons why he retired, as he said, was to spend more family time and it, just to do other things rather than travel 180 you know, days out of the entire year um, playing baseball games. So I, I would be sur- surprised if, if it is Ross. We did hear Mark DeRosa. Um, and I, I got to say, like, I love love Dero. I think during 20 or 2008, rather, it was fun to have him on the team. Clearly one of the big clubhouse guys, but I don't know, man, like listening to him on, on MLB network. And I know it's different when you're in a broadcast booth and doing these shows and whatever, but (laughs) I feel like some of the stuff he says, I kind of just like scratch my head at, you know? Um, but I know he's a, he's a baseball guy. Players gravitate towards him. He's got a great personality. But other than those two, I haven't heard many names. I could be overseeing some stuff, but there's no obvious candidate. I I expect really that the hire will, hire will come within just because we are late in the offseason. You know, spring training, guys, people are going to start reporting within two months. Think about that. That's insane. Actually, before two months, like even six, seven weeks. So guys have mostly solidified where they're going to be if they're not free agents. And that's the same thing for coaches. They know where they're going to be. So there's not many guys probably available right now. So I, I imagine the hire is going to come within Corey. Yeah, I think so. And we we talked about this uh, after the Cubs named Tommy Hadovy the new pitching coach. I would expect something along those lines, not a, a direct correlation necessarily, but going for someone who's familiar with this group, um, you know, who maybe has some experience working with Joe Mannon or communicating with Joe Mannon. I don't know if there's, you know, any any good candidates uh, from the minor league coaching staffs that they can look at or their player development group. Um, but that's kind of the direction that, that I would expect. As far as Ross goes, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a natural thing that I think everybody's brain goes there. And I think bench coach in particular is you know, maybe the right job to get someone like that into a major league coaching staff, get them some experience. Uh, because, you know, I think especially as a backup catcher, a veteran like Ross was during his time with the Cubs, especially in 2016, once Wilson Contreras is kind of catching fire, you know, that's not exactly the role he's playing, but he's serving a, a, a role that I think, you know, maybe has some parallels to what the bench coach is doing, you know, kind of paying attention to what's going on on the field, you know, trying to be that that vocal presence and, and leader and, you know, maybe helping Joe Mann with some things that, that maybe he's not paying attention to or not able to see because he's trying to manage the game. The, the problem with Ross has always been what his level of involvement wants to be, first of all, uh, as he is been outspoken about wanting to be with his family, and you know right. he, he's been doing the ESPN thing, which which does involve a lot of travel, even though he's you know only doing a few games a week, maybe, but it's it's still you know traveling all over the country, and you know this is a pretty big shift uh, from that. You know you're going to be the bench coach, you have to be on, on that staff. Uh, you know, say from what like the you know parts of January, early February, you know, all the way until the season ends, you're traveling and and in that grind every day. So it's a question as to whether Ross wants to do that. And then I think the other issue is, you know, what kind of situation does that create? You you know, you do not have Joe Madden on an extended contract. Uh, and that's what I was going to say, yeah. too. Like, imagine, okay, so let's imagine Madden does not come back, okay, in 2020. 
the next guy coming in is possible if, if it's from outside the organization is going to want to bring his own bench coach. So then you're going to put David Ross out of a job, like by indirectly, quote unquote, firing him or whatever you want to call it. Like you make you, you create the possibility that like you're not giving Ross the proper development he needs as a coach. And two, you may give him you may keep him out of a job if Madden doesn't come back. So it's kind of an awkward situation for Ross if he does take that job. Yeah. And I, you know, I think from the Cubs perspective too, you know, you wonder, do you want to create that situation? Um, you know, it, it definitely, kind of awkward, it, it yeah. definitely would be a situation where, you know, if the Cubs struggle out the gate or, you know, Madden makes a, a pitching change or something that people don't agree with, you're, you're going to get the immediate, all right, just get him out, put Ross in there. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that that's a, a situation that you necessarily want to create. I think that that, you know, is, is an odd situation. And, and also one that I, I would wonder too, without knowing, I, I wonder if Ross would even be comfortable with that. You know, he played for Joe. I, I, I think, their relationship, as far as I can tell, is very good. You know, I don't know if he would even want to come in in a situation where he's kind of looked at as that, like, guy kicking him off the throne. Uh, that's just speculation yeah. on my end. But, you know, Ross does seem like someone who's perceptive of issues like that and, and, you know, maybe wouldn't want to be that kind of guy pushing Joe out of the job and that everybody's kind of angling for. As far as DeRosa, I like you. I, I loved him when he was on the Cubs. Um, I've always really liked him. But he he's one of those guys, and, and I, I saw a lot of people echoing a similar sentiment on social media. He's just one of those guys you watch on the MLB network, and I know they're 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 you know they're they're putting on a show, right? They they have yeah. to put on a show, they have to be entertaining, they have to come up with stuff to talk about because it's a show. And as I mentioned at the outset, like these winter meetings were really boring. Uh, nothing was really happening. So you know, a lot of the time it was just these guys kind of spouting off, but. He's one of those guys where you watch him, and, and I I don't know what anyone would be watching that you're like, oh, yeah, I want this guy in my <laughs> in my dugout and, and coaching young players and all that other stuff. You know, I, I'm not saying he's he's dumb or anything like that, but it's it just not impressive, you know, and in a world where you have all this information and you can kind of pick from, you know, any available candidate, I, I just don't know why... I just don't know why DeRosa, you know, other than that he's worked himself into, you know, kind of a fairly prominent place in the, in the baseball world post his playing career and, you know, as a guy that we see all the time. Um, but I just... But even during DeRosa's playing years, like he was always recognized as a clubhouse yeah. guy, a guy who people are... They, they want to play for him and with yeah, him. and so that's I'm not something. That, uh, yeah, that's something that we I can't. I just can't. You know, we can't really know. We can't really appreciate. Um, but you know, if they, if that were part of it, and and he does kind of command a locker room and and people gravitate towards him, that's definitely you know a mark in his favor. Uh, but yeah, you know, look, what I have to go on is what I'm listening to him say, and I you know it's just again like I don't think he's dumb or anything, but I I'm not coming away like wow. <laughs> you know, this is the guy. We need this guy. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's an interesting spot. I think again, you know, similar to the pitching coach thing, we'll have to see what these relationships are, what roles these guys, you know, really end up playing as the season comes around. But in general, I'm I'm just hoping to keep the tumultuous stuff at, at a minimum. You know, so somebody that that, that knows these Maddie. players. You know, uh, can work with these players is is not necessarily coming in with any crazy philosophies or anything like that. I, I think that that's uh, what I would prefer. But yeah, I, I think other than that, you know, you wish Brandon uh, the best of luck in Baltimore. That's not really the best scenario. Uh, you know, for a budding manager, that team is really yeah, awful, and that man. franchise is really awful. But you know, I, I think that there is something to you know, I, I don't, I, I think it's something you have to work with. You have to figure out after the fact in terms of replacing these coaches. Uh, but I, I think that when you look at this, I think there's something to be said about so many of the Cubs coaches getting promoted and getting other jobs in other places. You know, the, the these guys are sought after and there's a reason that they're sought after. So while it does leave the Cubs to kind of pick up the pieces sometimes, 
I think it's a good thing that other organizations go through these lengthy interview processes and they come away thinking, you know, these guys from the Cubs, Dave Martinez, Brandon Hyde, uh, you know, Eric, Eric Kinsky, Kinsky got promoted, yeah. right. You know, and they look at these guys and they go, yeah, I like what these guys Henry are bringing. Henry Blanco. Yeah, so I think that that yeah. speaks to, you know, what who the Cubs are hiring in the first place, how they're developing them, and, you know, just the overall culture of what they're doing in Chicago that other teams are like, yeah, you know what, I like this. So... I think that's and that's what thing. I was kind of saying too with the pitching coach with Hadavi and the reason why I'm intrigued by it I, I'm agnostic towards these pitching and hitting coach hires right now so I don't really know too much like why they're bringing him in but I I think the one thing that does stand out with Hadavi is he's he's young he's going to be 38 and the, I am intrigued by that just because in my recent memory I've always been accustomed to older pitching coaches right so to finally see someone who's been a player for a long time in the league, not even three years ago, now take a role of that magnitude. I'm curious because you have this trend around Major League Baseball where you're hiring young managers, but at the same time, you're doing that and you're bringing in older you know, position coaches to supplement for that. For the Cubs, it's the opposite. You have an old manager and now you have a super young staff um, at the realm. So I'm curious to see how that's going to work out. Yeah. So that is, as far as I know, that's it for the coaching staff. Once they get a new yeah. bench coach, I think then we'll actually be finalized. But that, you know, is not the first time I think I've said that on here. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're done with that uh, for a while here. And, and, you know, the next coaching news that we really hear, uh, aside again from replacing the bench coach, is, you know, that Joe Madden gets an extension at some point because the Cubs 2019 season went really well. Brendan, I think that's... Uh, how I'd like to think about things. But before we get back into the the current landscape and, you know, everything that we heard at the winter meetings and where everything is right now, uh, which really isn't exciting. The names that are coming up for the Cubs are very underwhelming, folks. So uh, I hope your expectations are properly tempered. Uh, but I believe it was Saturday, <laughs> December 15th, uh, which was, Brendan, the four-year anniversary of John Lester being introduced as a Chicago Cub. The first time he donned the blue Cubs hat and the white Cubs jersey with the blue pinstripes, as Pat Hughes would uh, so eloquently and, and vividly describe if we were listening on the radio. Listening in the sun on this beautiful day. Right. And... I, you know, look, we, we've gone through this many, many times, and I, I do appreciate that you guys indulge basically any excuse I take to bring this up. Oh, it's John Lester's half birthday. Well, let's talk about everything he's done in Chicago. <laughs> 30 uh, minutes later. Right. You know, uh, so, you know, oh, it's the, you know, quarter anniversary of John Lester's wedding. Why don't we talk about how good John Lester is? <laughs> okay, if you guys are going to twist my arm. Uh, but, I think that I, I was looking through the, the, the video and and some of the articles from that time, and I, I think that one quote in particular, uh, you know, just sort of stands out from Theo when he's introducing John, and he says, quote, this is a great day for our fans. They've been so patient, incredibly patient, over the last couple of years. John is the perfect pitcher to lead our rotation to where we want to go. We are very serious about winning and bringing a World Series championship to the city of Chicago. That was on December 15th, 2014. It would be less than two years later, Brendan, on November I guess you call it second or third, depending on what time zone you're in, 2016, where John Lester and the Chicago Cubs do just that. They win Game 7 of the World Series in Cleveland, and they win the World Series. So we could go through John's accomplishments, you know, that he was uh, near the top of the Cy Young voting in 2016, that he's gone to All-Star Games with the Cubs, yada, yada, yada. Um, but... I, I think that in particular, since this was the anniversary of his introductory press conference, I, I think that it's just fun to look back at what those expectations were and what John was brought in to do. And, you know, that we are, we have been and, and we are now, you know, living in that universe where we head into, uh, you know, another year of his six-year contract. 
And the Cubs have already won a World Series. They're trying to win another one. Uh, and John is still, you know, one of the, the, the top members of their rotation. I, I think that, you know, we've said this before. Uh, but, I, you know, you, you read these quotes from Theo as they're introducing him and, you know, what John is saying when he's being introduced. And it's it's one of those things you're reading this going, wow, like this, could this literally have gone any better? I mean, save for them winning the World Series another time, you know, yet or, or something like that. Like I, you, you're reading this and you're going, yeah, this is exactly what happens. It's almost like you, it's almost like this article is written now, like in hindsight, you know, like what they're bringing John in to do, the, the type of person that he is, their expectations and all that other stuff. You're like, yeah, this is exactly what happens. So this is pretty cool. Like this went really well. <laughs> Yeah, and unfortunately, not to you know be a Debbie Downey here, but it kind of contrasts some of the unluckiness the Cubs have had with you know Darvish and Shatwood and whatnot. Because sure. if the, if those guys pan out, I mean, you're looking at a rotation who's probably underpaid to, to be to be quite frank. I mean, if Darvish stays healthy, that contract looks even better than John Lester's, and it still has the potential to be better than John Lester's if again Darvish is healthy. Um, but at the same time, I know you can get on Theo, not you personally, Corey, but just maybe I'm projecting, you know, sometimes as fans, you see how Darvish's contract has worked out, Hayward, Chatwoods, etc. And you do lose sight that there have been plenty of other moves from free agency that have worked out. And I think John Lester's is a perfect example. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that like 50% negative, but also nostalgic look back is a, is about what you can expect from Brendan on, on something like that. I, I know it's physically. I thought that, Im- I thought that was pretty positive. <laughs> Come on. I thought that was positive. I, I suppose. But yeah, you still managed to leave us questioning at least something uh, about the Cubs existence. But I'll, I'll, I'll finish on this, this Lester segment uh, with just what he said at his introductory press conference, which was, quote, I want to win regardless of where I'm at. I believe in the plan that they have in place for the future of the Cubs. The chance to win a World Series for a franchise that never has adds a little bit of excitement for me. I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe that they could win in 2015. That means the division. That means the World Series. That means everything. And again, you know, that's just another one of those quotes where you're looking at that going, well, they didn't win the division in 2015, but they did win 97 games. Uh, They won the wild card. They knocked out the Cardinals in the first round uh, before losing to the Mets in the National League Championship Series. And then a year later, they do complete that entire goal that he lays out. They they do win the division. They do win the World Series. Um, I, I don't know what everything beyond that is, but, you know, they did have, you know, half a billion people at their parade as well. So, Again, just fun to look back on and, and read some of these quotes and uh, from everybody in the organization and Lester and just how exactly they lay out what they want to do and they go and do just that. And I think that's one of the reasons that I've always been so fond of John Lester is he, he, he told us exactly what he was coming here to do uh, and the Cubs have done basically nothing but exactly that since uh, this date in in 2014. So always fun to look back on. We could go on for hours about John Lester if you guys would let us, but we do have to get back to reality uh, as the Cubs are trying to put a team together. Uh, Well, (laughs) you know, uh, depending on the reports you read, maybe they're not trying very hard at at, at putting a team together in in 2019. And on that note, I I do want to say, like, Brendan and I, we could go off on the ownership or the management, you know, based on what we're reading, right, about this offseason, if they're not going to spend money, yada, yada. But let's hold off on that until everything is set and done. Because, you know, we also hear, you know, a similar number of reports that maybe the Cubs are laying in the weeds. Maybe this is part of the strategy. Who knows? But I, I don't think it's doing anybody any favors for us to, you know, lay into ownership about not spending money. And then two weeks from now, you know, Bryce Harper is like we just talked about John Lester being introduced at Wrigley Field as a Chicago Cub. So let's. And I, w- I, will, I will say, too, and I keep saying this, the, the Cubs have spent money. Like yes, they, that's also true. That's a separate. Yeah, that's right. also part of the discussion. And that's 
and like they may not have been spending money, you know, recently in this off season, but they currently have guys the largest committed salary for 2019. Of course, the big guys have not signed yet, so that probably will change. Right. But it goes to show you, like, yeah, the Cubs are sitting on a 225 million dollar payroll right now. That's 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 insane. That's like what I think 19 above the luxury tax threshold. So they spent money. The real question is, did they mess up and spend money in the wrong offseason? Right. And that's kind of maybe where the discussion can gear towards on Twitter and maybe even here as well. Yeah. And like you mentioned, you know, some of those recent, you know, not so good contracts in contrast to Lester, you know, again, <laughs> there there is a way to view those depending on what we learn the rest of the offseason, right? It's a different, it, it, it's one conversation if the Cubs are, you know, secretly in on Harper and the, the bidding just gets too out of control and they decide it's not the right move versus Theo's known all along they weren't going to have the money for this and he still signed you Darvish. Those are very different scenarios. And again, I, I, I think it's safer if we don't address them until we know exactly what was going on. Uh, and as Brendan and I discussed last night, the latter of those two <laughs> scenarios is very scary uh, and, and not one I want to confront. The, the notion that Theo may have messed up is not one that I want to confront unless I'm positive that that's what happened. So let's just see how the, let's oh just see how this offseason plays I, I, out. I don't want to have that podcast episode in like I February don't either, too, but I'm— Because that's going to suck. Or I'm I don't scared wanna, I don't that do that's— that. That, that we might have to. But again, like, let's just see what happens. Let's see what the Cubs do the rest of this offseason when we get to, you know, maybe the Cubs convention or when this all settles and we get some answers from Ricketts, Let, we get some answers from Theo. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll touch on all that. But so, for now... Hold on, I want to I jump in there before you bring up this Descalso stuff. I can't even say his last name. I hope I never have to say right. his last that name. Was right. I did? Okay, thank yeah. God. Anyway, before we jump into this, though, based on where we are in the offseason, based on the winter meetings being over, of course, the GM meetings have also, you know, gone through the, the process... Where do you think the Cubs will be in like two months, Corey? Because uh, things have changed. Like the, the environment, the rumors, what other teams have done. It's now changed maybe my perspective, I think. I'm curious where you are now with where the Cubs are and what you think they might do in the next seven weeks before spring training starts. I'm not sure exactly what you mean. Do what well, do I mean in okay, regards so, to what? So here's what I mean by that. So we're hearing reports about Rio Muto, right? We saw Wilson Ramos sign recently with um, the Mets, yeah, with the Mets, and we, we're seeing Mets becoming players. Now we're hearing rumors that the Dodgers may be moving outfielders to bring in Bryce Harper. You have the right. White Sox stuff. You have no really major activity at the winter meetings when it comes to free agency. So I'm kind of I'm, I'm curious. And the Cubs have made no trades, and it's been right. It's been almost three months from Theo's press conference suggesting, hey, we may move on from some of our young guys, and they have not done that. So that's that's kind of what I mean by that. Like yeah. the, the times have changed a little bit in these three months. So I'm kind of curious where you think. The Cubs may end up being in two months because at the at the onset of the offseason, by this time, I would have imagined like one of the young Cubs being traded. I'm yeah. not I'm not gonna lie. And it hasn't happened. So I think now I'm kind of expecting personally, like the Cubs may not make that trade. I'm coming to that realization that we may be going into this next season with a lot of the same issues at hand in terms of playing time with Happ, Amora, Schwarber, even right. Hayward, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to, like I said, I, I, I think I tend to agree with you. I just am trying to wait until all the dust settles because, you know, as we look around, like, you know, teams have made some moves, but really on the whole, we're, we're, this sort of just seems to be an issue that Major League Baseball is having that uh, the, the, this stuff is just dragging out these last few off seasons. And, you know, you look at the division, like, yeah, the Cardinals uh, acquire Paul Goldschmidt in a trade, but... Other than that, like, that's basically it. The Brewers haven't done anything. The Cardinals haven't done anything else. The Cubs haven't done anything. Um, you know, so, you know, we've heard a lot about the Reds trying to do a variety of things. Like uh, <laughs> getting Puig. That's it's kind of interesting. Right. So <laughs> I I don't know. It, it's hard to handicap, I think, whether this is something that the Cubs are doing by their own volition or, you know, kind of laying in a bed that they made, or if this is just kind of how the MLB market is moving yeah. and the Cubs are just sort of part of that and we kind of have to wait and see. But no, I, I have also been coming to, you know, and, and I mean, look, Jed Hoyer is, is certainly saying as much, you know, they keep pointing out that a lot of the fixes are internal, et cetera. Um, you know, again, it's just, 
we don't know yet if that is a misdirection or a slight red herring. It's very it's very hard to say. But yes, like you, I am uh, coming more and more to the the realization that they they there really might not be that much change. Which again is going to be a whole can of worms to open up because the, the the stuff that comes out of Theo Epstein's mouth at the end of that year press conference is very difficult to reconcile with like nothing in the off season. Yeah. It's, it's almost impossible to reconcile, right? So that's why that's what I'm saying is before we have the answer as to why that would be happening, if it does ultimately happen, I I it's very hard to to comment on my exact feelings on that and and how we should react uh, to the work that this organization has done. Um, And like I mentioned to you yesterday, it's a very weird offseason to be in because whether you – what your opinion was on the the 2018 Cubs aside – all these conversations are taking place around a 95-win team. In any other division in the NL, they win the division. Even if they get bounced unceremoniously in the first round, I don't know that the the conversation about this offseason is as negative as it is. I, I think that the fact that they lose that tiebreaker to the Brewers and everything happens at the end of the year like it does with so many one-run games, etc., I, I think that's why we're talking about this. So that, that's all just to say it's it's very hard to, to like position and, myself internally because we're talking about a team that won 95 games. And as I said to you yesterday, if they played this season tomorrow, would you really look me or anyone else in the eye? And I ask that to you, Brendan, and our, our general listeners. Do you really think that either the Brewers or Cardinals are definitively better than the Chicago Cubs? I'm not saying you have to think the Cubs are the best team in the division or that they're a shoe-in to win the division. But does anybody really not believe that they would compete for this division tomorrow? Because I think that's I think that's laughable. I think of course they would. I I think you look at the other teams in this division. No way is anybody definitively better than them. Or oh man, the Cubs need Bryce Harper. They're definitely losing to the Brewers. I don't think that's true at all. So it just makes this is a very strange off season. Uh, And you know, like you kind of mentioned, I sort of just anticipated this off season they'd spend the money for Harper or Machado or whatever, and we'd kind of, you know, clap our hands and and that would be it. It would be kind of like, well, we want to be a good bit better. We want to be the team that's definitively better in this division. And, you know, we'd have that done in a month and we'd all just get ready to, you know, try to win another championship. So this is a a very weird (sighs) offseason that is... uh, difficult to difficult to handicap it's difficult to predict what's going to happen and it's and again it's it's hard to figure out where i want to be directing my critical thinking uh you know is this a tom ricketts thing is this a theo thing i i have no idea so we're just going to have to see how it plays out but as you mentioned the, the the couple rumors that we do have uh the one is that uh of course troy tulewiski was cut by the toronto blue jays uh, in an interesting move, to say the least. Uh, so now he is a free agent and will sign for the league minimum as the Toronto Blue Jays are still paying him uh, his contract. So the Cubs were reportedly one of the teams that has checked in on him and that uh, when he has a workout, I'm not sure when that was going to be or if it's already happened uh, by the time you're listening to this on Monday, but the Cubs were going to attend that workout and, you know, maybe think about that. And, you know, that that sort of has uh, a good it makes a, a bit of sense, you know, especially you consider that the, the Cubs still seem to remain unsure as to exactly what they're doing with Addison Russell. And, you know, Tulowitzki could could be someone that could fit there. And then we also got a report from Ken Rosenthal that the Cubs were, uh, I think he said, seriously uh, pursuing Daniel Descalso for a, I, you know, I, I would certainly hope, uh, kind of that Tommy LaStella ventral, you know, kind of guy. So, General thoughts on that, uh, Brendan, either of those moves, uh, assuming that they were, you know, just depth moves? Uh, whiskey, that's a, that's a no-go for me, Corey. Um, okay. Reason being is 100% driven by his injury history. I mean, even throughout times he's been healthy in, in the rare instance from 2015 to 20, or rather 2016 to 2017, he was basically a league average player. And that was when he was 31, 32 years old. So he's coming off a completely um, injury-riddled season. He didn't even play last season for these heel spurs. He's going to be 34 years old. And I understand he'll get paid the league 
minimal, maybe a little bit more depending on what type of bidding war gets happening out there, but probably around the league minimum. I still just don't want to commit a roster spot on the 25 man for Tula Whiskey. And I don't want to close the door on some other deals that could happen because Tulo is going to get a shot. And maybe that's not going to be the case. Maybe Tulo would, yes, sign a contract with the Cubs. And maybe the Cubs would still try to get better in their infield positioning. And maybe that means like going out and getting, we've heard jerks and profile, maybe. Um, maybe that doesn't prohibit them from doing that. But overall, the Cubs go into 2019 with Tulowitzki scheduled or kind of projected to get maybe 350, 400 plate appearances. I'm anxious about that. Like, I don't think that's something that you can rely on. And it reminds me, like, this, this reminds me of kind of the Tim Lincecum stuff from a few years ago. And Lincecum, like, too low early on in their careers, they will, they were, like, objectively the best at their position. And I think sometimes you, you hold on to that and you hope maybe that can come back, but ultimately for Lincecum, it never happened. And I think for Tulowitzki, it's not, it's not going to happen. He's had too many injuries, injuries in his career. He's getting older. He's not getting any younger whatsoever. I, I, I don't know. I think if I'm going to pick between Duscalso and Tulowitzki, it's, I mean, got my God, where am I right now in 2019 saying this? I think I'd rather have Duscalso and that's not to say that Tua Whiskey would be a bad pickup for the Cubs. If they do that, fine. I just hope they continue to try to look elsewhere to improve. I'm just not comfortable donating that much confidence to Tula Whiskey, Corey. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty you know, whatever on these moves. I think uh, obviously you're these are depth moves. Uh, you know, just kind of trying to increase the depth, the roster flexibility, whatever. Sure. Um, you know what I'm saying, though, right, with the injuries? Yeah, like, yeah I of mean, course, of course. Yeah. And, you know, again, it, it, it really does sort of depend on exactly what they're going to do with this Addison-Russell situation um, and, you know, what their plan would be right now for, for who's playing the majority of second base or, or what that middle infield is or what you expect that to be for the majority of the year. Because, you know, again, we've talked about the Addison-Russell uh, situation from a number of angles, but looking at it from purely a baseball perspective, you know, I, I don't I, I don't think that Addison played well enough to, you know, lend any confidence to anyone if even after he was uh, back from his suspension for domestic violence, you know, are you comfortable giving him uh, a, a close to starter role? Because I think that's questionable at best, too. You know, he's, he's he has just seemingly gotten worse on offense, and, and he's injury-prone at this point. So, well, I think the way they're going to go to start the season off is commit to Zobar as a second base, which is a, complete, which is a completely different discussion, right. and having Javi be the starting shortstop for, you know, 80% of the game. Yeah, maybe getting David Bodie in at second base. But, which, but again, is still, which is still questionable, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's what I mean, though, is that, you know, I, I know maybe these, you know, a Discalso or Tulowitzki, you know, probably uh, not inspiring the the most confidence or, or anything or excitement, certainly, in, in, in Cubs world, but... Again, I'm just thinking aloud if if that's just a different direction as far as depth is concerned, if you're either A, going to move on from Addison Russell, or B, just not really confident in what he would even give you once he came back uh, from the suspension if you did decide to keep and him on the team I, in the first place. I, I will say, out of all the issues the Cubs have right now, the, the infield one kind of gives me the most cause for concern, just because... Like I understand the outfield is kind of unreliable to a degree, but I feel as if that outfield is made up of a bunch of younger guys, whereas for the infield, Javi's going to be Javi, and we know what the ceiling is, and he kind of hit it last year, but at the same time, anyone with that swing profile gives me a little bit of, you know, kind of, I guess, cause for concern. Um, and Zobris's age is just, it's killing me in terms of what you can project from him, and then you have Addison Russell's issues as well. So I feel as if there's more unreliability in the infield projections than there are for the outfielders. So with that said, like, I think Descalso kind of makes sense, but I wish we could do better than Descalso. Yeah. And if that ends up being the infield to go into the 2019 season with Descalso, Russell, Zobar as Javi, like, okay, so be it. Don't get me wrong. I think if everything goes fine the way it should be, that's a formidable infield. But like... 
if we're looking elsewhere, I kind of wish we had someone like, you know, a jerks in Profar who Texas may be dangling because he's going to be a free agent soon. That kind of gives me more, I guess, you know, ease to my anxiousness when it comes to the infield. I, I just wish we could do better than Descalso and much better than Tula Whiskey. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, anybody would fault you there, you know, and it, it, it on the Descalso note in particular, um, I, I think at, at the very least, we have a long list of reporters and writers that we, uh, that, you know, express our contempt for on this <laughs> on this podcast, but I, I do want to point something out as it relates to the budget stuff, because Bob Nightingale of the USA Today, I, I think I went on this the last time, so I'll, I'll take it easy on Bob. He He's not good at his job, is, is the moral of the story, and you should take everything he says with the biggest grain of salt you've ever seen. Uh, but <laughs> in his tweet about the Descalso interest from the Cubs, he, he ended it by saying something along the lines of, but, you know, they're not sure if they can afford him. So so here here's what I want to point out on that. Wherever you fall on the... Cubs budget situation. Is it true? Are they misleading? Whatever, right? I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to believe. But the notion that they aren't sure whether they could afford what, Brendan, an eight million dollar player? How much could not Daniel Discosso possibly be making? Six million if right? it's more than one That year, yeah. is laughable. That is a, a writer pushing a narrative at its best. The the Cubs have not signed anyone. They have not added anything to the bullpen. They have not signed a backup catcher, and they were very quick to sign Cole Hamels to a $20 million option that they didn't really need to, right? If they didn't do that and they went in with Darvish and Montgomery or something like that at the back end of the rotation, I don't think we all would have been thrilled about it, but certainly there wouldn't have been any any like uprising about it either. It still would have been a fine rotation, and then you divert the money elsewhere. So, Again, all I'm saying is is maybe the Cubs have some budget concerns. Maybe they have to move a lot of money around if they want to make really significant additions. But the notion that they're you know you know tearing up the whole office over at Wrigley Field to try to figure out how they can spend six million dollars on Daniel Descaso, that's a joke. All right, like there yeah. there's no way that the situation is that bad that with no other moves, they can't spend $6 million on some, you know, bad bench player. Come on. Like, that's, you, that's, that's pushing this narrative a little too far. Did you see Boris's comments when he was asked about the Cubs' financial yes, issues? Yes, and I was going okay. to bring that up because it's very interesting it's to say. It's very telling to me. And it's, it's very interesting. Okay, so guys, this is what Boris did. So, in years past, especially, what, what's a good example? I think a good example probably is KB uh, when he was getting called up in 2015. The KB stuff, and I think there was also a lot of talk when Arietta and Darvish hadn't signed yet. Yes. I feel like he was very vocal last offseason. Yes. So when he was asked in this most recent winter meetings about the Cubs' finances, Boris responded to paraphrase, I am not going to talk about another team's financial situation, which, Corey, is in direct, direct contrast to what he's been doing for the past three years. Like when he was asked about, hey, can the Cubs afford to give Arietta a massive extension? Right. He said, like, look at what the Cubs are doing. Look at what Ricketts is building. Like, you know, if you want to be the best team in the league, if you want to go to playoff land, you got to spend money. I think right. he actually used the word playoff land. And so for three years, guys, Boris has been like openly talking about the Cubs' unwillingness to spend in his eyes for some of his own players. And now all of a sudden, like he's representing Bryce Harper, and he's now he's going to say, "Yeah, well, I'm not going to talk about the Cubs' financial well, issues." And in this, at the winter meetings, he was asked about whether the Cardinals might be in on, I think, Bryce Harper, and he yeah. said, to, you know, again to paraphrase that they sit on the Golden Bank of St. Louis or something like that. So he he is commenting on some. Again, right. this is definitely one of those things that, like, I think we all would love to read into, right? So, you know, maybe it's nothing. Well, but I am is, reading into it. No, I, I know yeah. that, but I'm yeah. saying, of course, we want to read into it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's what we want to believe, right? I'm just I'm just pointing that out. But it it is interesting. Like, he is commenting on other teams, and he has ripped teams the Cubs being perhaps the most uh, predominant of that, 
he rips them all the time about not spending enough money and owners having too much money and it's laughable that, you know, that blah, blah, blah. So it is interesting that amidst all these reports that the Cubs don't have money, he's not <laughs> saying a word. It's, it's interesting, to yeah. say the least. And so also on, on that note as well, if the Cubs, let's say the Cubs do sign Harper in, in a perfect world, right? Also in that perfect world probably will be a Jason Hayward trade or if we're going to get even more perfect than a Tyler Chatwood trade. So I think the Cubs do have a lot of obstacles to get by in order to get Harper. But again, just highlighting Boris's unwillingness to comment on the Cubs' financial situation amidst other reports that, one, the Cubs are trying to maybe move around some other guys to create more financial flexibility, and two, the fact that the Cubs may have some financial restrictions suggests, I guess in my mind, that they're still talking to Harper about right. some possibilities. And that's, well, all, that's also, all I need to know. It also parallels the Dodgers situation to another degree, which is another team that, you know, again, depending on who you'd like to believe and uh, how loose you are are comfortable with in, in who is sourcing this information. Uh, you know, they're perhaps the front runner or one of the front runners for Harper right now. They're also trying to get rid of people. We've heard about Puig the entire offseason. Uh, you know, we heard that the Marlins were trying to get Cody Bellinger for JT Rio Muto. So the Dodgers are also in a situation where they would very likely have to be making other moves to make uh, the Bryce Harper thing happened. And, and, so the Cubs are not alone in that regard. And one last comment, too, about this Boris Harper Cubs connection. Evan Altman wrote a post earlier this week, and this was after we potted last week. I think it was, actually. But the, the, the meat of Evan's post was that Bryce Harper was reported that he wants to play for the Cubs. He's singling the Cubs out as a team he most wants to play for. And that was based on Evans, you know, sources and whatever, which have been proven to be reliable. I think that's significant. I, I really, I genuinely do believe that, that Harper would want to play for the Cubs. And what that entails financially, I have no idea. But when you connect the dots together, I, I don't think the Cubs are completely out of the Harper situation. That's different from being a, a likely outcome that Harper will sign with the Cubs. At the very least, if we learned anything whatsoever from the 2017 offseason is that the Cubs are going to be in on everybody no matter what until the moment that player signs a contract either with the Cubs or with a team that's not the Cubs and I think if that's going to give you any hope or any uh, ease of your anxiety I think that's a good point right there to recognize yes the Cubs are in on Bryce Harper like that's that's just true at this point and I think that's kind of optimistic to be honest with you. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, you know, throughout that conversation, again, one of the things I keep going back to is that the Cubs need a backup catcher and we have not <laughs> yeah. really heard anything on that. Um, you know, so that's, that's something that is at least drawing my curiosity because it's, it's just a move that we need. The, the Cubs need to make, they need to have a better backup catcher than Victor Caratini. I, and, I, and the reason that may not, I have, think that's unquestionable. And, and the reason I think that may not have happened yet is, one, like Real Muto still with the Marlins. And right. we did, we did hear Wilson's name brought up right. with uh, Real Muto. So it's possible that the Cubs, like they may be willing to move on from Wilson to get Real Muto. And that's a different conversation. But I think that may be one reason why we haven't seen a backup catcher signed. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know, guys. I, really, I don't. I, this, this has been a very strange offseason. And I, I don't exactly know what to make of all of this. Um, but again, you know, kind of going back to some of the rumors that we heard as it related to Harper, my, my main hope is that in, in all of this stuff that, that as long as Theo is able to have the conversation with these guys and has a chance, right, to maneuver the payroll and, and make things work to, to build a better team than the Cubs had in 2018, I, I, I do trust them to pull that off, or at least I appreciate them having the chance, uh, if they can't spend Just as much money as the White Sox, yeah, then that that's fine. Because, you, you know, you also have to remember, like, 
if it's a bidding war, you know, it's, it's, it's possible that the Cubs don't get Harper and it's not because there's some limit on their spending or something like that. It is possible for Theo and company to decide that, you know, perhaps the contract terms get too out of control or, you know, they've, they've talked with Bryant about an extension and they, they just can't make it all work. That's, that's still possible and, and not the worst thing in the world. Again, we're just going to have to figure out what is what is the reason we end up where we do uh, ultimately when you know we get going on the 2019 season? But the last thing I think to talk about uh, was just uh, it, it was from an interview with uh, CubsInsider.com, and Evan talked to Chris Bryant's dad. We've we've had him uh, on the podcast before, and Mike I Bryant, think yeah. yeah, Mike. I think most of you guys know that uh, it's not just like talking to some random person, Chris you know, is working out with his dad in the off season, uh, I it's believe, every coach. day. <laughs> yeah. He's his hitting coach. Yeah, he's I mean, his personal hitting coach. Is. So yeah. this, you know, again, this is not just some random, you know, family connection. Um, and he, you know, he did, he did give some of those normal off season, uh, buzzwords, right. That, you know, that Chris is working out more aggressively than ever. Um, he's like a quiet assassin, Etc. But I, I think the you know two things of note really come up, and and uh, this has come from basically every angle. And you know, granted, I don't know if we have an angle that wouldn't say this, uh, but we've you know we've really heard from everybody that might know um, the Cubs, Scott Boris, Chris Bryant, and his dad that the shoulder is good. The shoulder is not going to be a problem. He is working out with no limits, no pain, no discomfort, you know, nothing. And he is going to go back to the one-handed finish on his swing. Never really, like, fully bought in on that (laughs) two-handed swing. So it it, it never really got there completely. But he did make that change in 2018, and they're going to go away from that. So, again, you know, we've talked about this before, and I— I will bring this up at any opportunity that we can because especially, you know, when we are looking at this offseason and how can the Cubs get better or, you know, what we heard uh, at the end of the the season last year from Theo and company about the offense, it can't be stated enough the importance of Chris Bryant playing like Chris Bryant. And if he does do that, it's, you know, a very different situation for the offense. And, you know, even if you were just looking at, like, something simple, like just the the, the pure number of hits that the Cubs missed out on last year because Chris Bryant was either hurt or just not playing as well, it, it's just a very significant number. And you think about scattering, you know, an extra, you know, 70, 80-something hits, right, with more plate appearances, etc., you can see how that might have made a big difference for this team, but in, in yeah. you know it, it's it's pretty simple. I think in in 2015 to 17, Chris Bryant was a 6.1, 7.9, 6.7 win player. In 2018, he was a 2.3 win player. That's a massive difference. We can talk about yeah. the Cardinals adding Paul Goldschmidt all they want, but the difference from a 2018 injured and not as productive Chris Bryant to a normal, healthy, top-of-the-league Chris Bryant is a massive change for this Cubs lineup. And again, you know, we're hearing from his agent, the president of his baseball team, his father. You know, I'm not expecting any of them to come out and say, "Ah, Chris kind of looks not so great, you know, (laughs) like, of course not. But he's working out. He's working out on a normal schedule intensively. The shoulder is good. Chris Bryant should be Chris Bryant in 2019, and that is a big effing deal, Brendan. Yeah, it's a big effing deal. And the, at the very least, you know, you guys can see uh, that's this offseason speak about any player, but, you know, Morrow just got scoped out five weeks ago for his shoulder. And, or was it his shoulder? It was his uh, elbow, whatever it elbow. was, right? Yeah, elbow. At least Brian's not getting surgery right now. So if there's anything to truly be concerned about, it probably would have had to have been dealt with under the knife. And so he is working now four days a week, like Mike Bryant said. Very intense. He's going back to the one-handed finish, like you just said, Corey. So if Bryant's back to what he was like in 2016, his entire career, if Bryant is Chris Bryant, you combine that with hopefully what we 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 hope to be is a Javi Baez like 2018 going forward, 
Anthony Rizzo is the most consistent player in the league, probably, with Paul Goldschmidt and, and those guys. The Cubs will win the division next year again. That's just it's that simple. You may have to reduce this offseason down to can Chris Bryant be healthy going forward? And if that's the case, maybe it does make sense not to go out and make major changes to your yeah. team. And I think that's a fair point. Now I think when you step back from the emotion from how the Cubs failed to just do what they wanted to do in September of last year, you kind of peel back some of the stuff and realize, hey, the Cubs are still in a healthy position. And like, believe it or not, after 2019, that payroll flexibility, guess what? It returns. They'll only have around 160 million committed to 2020. Guess what that means? That means 70 million or not 70, probably around like, you know, 55, 60 of flexibility to, to make other moves. And I think that's a very, a very important consideration, um, to, to make. And I am encouraged by that. Whenever I get super negative about this team, I, I do, Always. which is very consistently. And, you know, to be fair, Corey, so have you recently, but that's a different discussion. Privately. Privately. You never go on air. You want to express this. But <laughs> right. I'm, I'm the only one who is willing to do that here. But if you wanted, you know, take back and, and, and remember how healthy the Cubs are, just think of Chris Bryant. And if that's, if, if he becomes healthy in 2019, this is probably the best team that in, in the Central, probably right now going into the year, the best team in the National League once again. Yeah. So again, I, and I think that goes back to why we're trying to be mindful of when we really, like if we have to unload on their strategy or something over the last couple of years, like I think that's why we're trying to be patient and making sure we know exactly where to direct that ire if indeed it is necessary. Because again, like do we want to hear them say, well, a healthy Yu Darvish and a healthy Chris Bryant makes a big difference? And we genuinely, like, they're not crazy to suggest that that, you know, is is 100% a big deal. And like I said earlier, that they're absolutely in competition for this division. Again, that's not what anybody wanted to hear. You'd love for them to be the team that is like, well, that's not good enough. Like, we're going to go spend money until it is unquestionable that the Cubs are the best team in this division, if not the National League, right? That's what we all want. And it's not just to spend recklessly, but it's to say, look, you didn't win the division last year, so go spend all this new Wrigleyville, right, right Gallagher way money and yep. make sure that yep. this team wins the division and makes the playoffs. Because so, in what universe are we taking that risk, right? Yeah. But I think both of these things can be true, right? That that is what we prefer. That is what we as fans want. And I would hope that the front office and ownership want, but we'll see. But also it can be true at the same time that, again, you know, this team won 95 games. They have a lot of young talent. And they're not they're not wrong to say that a healthy Chris Bryant, who's probably worth anywhere from four to five more wins above replacement than he was in 2018, and a healthy you Darvish who gave you 40 innings of garbage last year, <laughs> right? Like that does significantly improve this team. And if you're improving on a 95-win team, right, like you get to the point where I, I, they're not crazy to go that route. Again, it's not what we want. And given all the, the money going on in, in Chicago and, you know, as I've mentioned before, my season ticket price is rising, you know, basically every off season now. It's not what anybody wants to hear, but, you know, at the same time, we kind of have to find that middle ground of, well, are they totally crazy to do that? And is it, you know, going to absolutely cost them the division? And the answer, you know, is I, I think no. So it's about finding that balance. And again, at some point, whether they spend the money and we just forget about all of this talk or they don't spend the money, we'll figure out what was going on this off season. Uh, at some point it'll get laid out to us uh, and we can, you know, try to kind of try to parse it from there. But until then, and we kind of just have to see how this off season goes. Cause again, you know, we can sit here and talk about the Cubs not spending money, but not that many teams have spent that much money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, there, and there's a lot of talent still out there. There's a lot of people that are rumored to be in the trade market, on the block, et cetera. So I think, unfortunately, kind of have to see where things go. You know, and as as we're recording this, we're, you know, uh, a little over a week from the Christmas holiday and New Year's and stuff like that. So it it seems at least very possible that 
you know, this that not a lot happens until actually 2019. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so we're just going to have to be patient and try to figure this out when we can. So and here, here's what I keep going back to as well. And I've always said this throughout the entire offseason, guys. So it's nothing new. I understand the inks because, again, you look at Zobris, the age of some of these guys, even projecting Javi, you can see a sense of uncertainty. And I totally understand that. I am going to parallel where we are going into 2019 with where we were going into 2016 when the Cubs ultimately won the World Series. And so they went out and they signed Hayward, they signed Zobarist, assuming, here was the assumption, assuming that Miguel Montero would be their starting catcher. Guess what? That did not happen. Wilson Contreras continued to improve, and he took over that job. And nevertheless, they went into the year with Miguel Montero as the unquestionable starter. And this was going into the same season with Chris Bryant not being the Chris Bryant who we know. And he had a great rookie year, don't get me wrong. But again, going into 2016, relying on Chris Bryant to be an MVP, I don't think anyone thought for certain that would be the case. I'm, you know, bear with me here by saying that. And I think the only guys who were known to be probably consistent were Anthony Rizzo and maybe John Lester. And I think you look at guys like even Addison Russell, who was almost a four-win player that year. Javi didn't really play as much as he is, you know, currently. What I'm trying to say is if you go into 2019 with this squad, I think you can make the argument that it's more projectable than that 2016 squad. I know it's insane to say, don't get me wrong, but I think it's important to realize that, that despite the Cubs having this weird aura around them, and despite even me being a little uncertain about them, I kind of had some of the same uncertainties going into 2016, and then just natural baseball happened. Chris Bryant became an MVP. Wilson Contreras grew into one of the better catchers in the league. Arietta continued to do what he was doing. Lester continued to do what he was doing. The bullpen ironed out. You got Chapman at the end of the year. What I'm trying to say is there's always going to be uncertainty probably, but we need to step back and realize this team is super talented. And for them to fall back on their face like they did in 2017, or rather 2018 again, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. And if they go into the year with this squad, I mean, take a deep breath. So be it. I think, I think I would be okay with that. But, you know, talk to me in two months if they end up doing that. Yeah. So I, I think what, what we're advocating here is, you know, you have your pitchfork ready, maybe in your garage, ready to go. But, well, you know, hold off on it for now. I, I wouldn't have it in hand. I wouldn't be getting ready to uh, march outside of the, the Wrigley Field offices just yet. Let's let's see how this all plays out. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, unfortunately, we might be waiting a while here. Uh, you know, we, I think, especially just heard that not that the Cubs have been connected to him as much as Harper, but, you know, Manny Machado was still recently on his tour of these teams so like it doesn't even sound like he's met with everybody yet yeah. so he's meeting with the yankees this upcoming yeah week, by we, the way. we we've you still know. got a ways to go and you know as always yeah, like it was with darvish and arietta last year you know what the one does does kind of affect the other and you know there's an argument to be made about going first going second who gets the most money etc it's 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 a game for everybody not just the teams so We'll see. I think you got to be patient. Um, but that's where we are, uh, you know, and kind of if I can bring everything full circle on this podcast, uh, I and I, I'll try to, at the very least, we'll go into 2019. The Cubs still have John Lester, so things could be worse, folks. But I, I think that's all we have for you. Again, as always with this off offseason, uh, we will jump on if something happens of note. I will tell you guys a little spoiler uh, if the Cubs sign Daniel Descalso, we are not going to jump on midweek and and do a Daniel Descalso episode. There there is a threshold, I think, for uh, what we would <laughs> subject you guys to listening to, and I I don't think that meets that threshold. So, no. um, we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on who the Cubs are targeting for their bench coach. I would say if the Cubs hired David Ross, that might. That I think that is above the threshold for for a podcast. That would be very interesting to dig into. Uh, but we'll we'll wait for the Cubs to find a new bench coach once again, 
and we will see uh, what plays out with the free agent and trade market. But yeah, as always, we will jump on uh, should something of significance happen and, and break it down for you. And uh, again, we'll we'll you know probably stick to the, the Monday morning schedule for now in the off season. Um, and then ratchet things up as, you know, kind of in, in lockstep with the Cubs as they, they head into spring training, et cetera, we will, uh, be talking to you more. But other than that, again, we, you know, you can keep an eye out, uh, if something major does happen, we will jump on. And you, as always, you can find, uh, Brendan at Cubs related on Twitter and Instagram, though that is me on the Instagram. I am at CF Cubs related on Twitter. The Cubs insider handle is at real Cubs insider. And, uh, I think that's about it. Again, you, you know, you guys can find every episode on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. And if you subscribe on any of those platforms, obviously you will uh, get a notification or whatever. If we do come to you on an abnormal schedule, uh, as always, we appreciate those reviews and those ratings that we see in the iTunes store. We do appreciate that very much. And I think that's all we have for you. So uh, remain patient, Cub fans. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Uh, But either way, we are all in this together. And at the end of the day, we're talking about a team that uh, has been to the playoffs four straight seasons, has won a World Series. Uh, So things could certainly be worse, right? Is that making everybody feel better? I'm trying. Uh, But other than that, we will talk to you uh, guys next week. If nothing happens, we thank you very much for listening. And whether we are worried about what they're doing in the offseason and at the winter meetings or they have a game tomorrow, as always, go Cubs. Using an overpriced trash bag? Pricey, pricey, pricey! A bag that breaks? Whippy, whippy, whippy! Or a smelly bag? Stinky, stinky, stinky! You gotta snag Hefty's Ultra Strong Trash Bag. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty! It has Arm & Hammer odor control, so your nose and your wallet will be... Happy, happy, happy! Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags. Hefty Strong, all day long.